This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Good morning, everybody, from beautiful San Diego, California. This is Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series radio. We have such an interesting show for you today. We're going to be discussing geobiology with Richard Benishai, and we'll be bringing him on in a few minutes. And he um, he is from Israel, and that proves to be a wonderful, exciting time today. Right, Ahanu? Say hello. Yes, good morning, everybody. Sunny San Diego. My God. <laughs> Chilly, though. You're all wrapped up. If they could see you, you're all wrapped up in a long pants and long shirt and a blanket around your shoulders. I know. Do you know, one of these days we've got to talk about preconceived ideas because I certainly had a preconceived ideas idea about California and thinking that it was the balmy sunshine all year round. Certainly there's 364 days of sunshine, but some of the days do get cold. Well, it, the nights have been getting cold. This is their winter. And what did someone tell us yesterday? That the rain that we had last week for two days was their winter. <laughs> I know. Wasn't that the funniest thing? Oh, my God. Most people, they have like six months of winter and, and so on. We are so blessed. But anyway, we let's are. not tease our listeners with <laughs> <No> this <let's. laughs> wonderful weather that we're having, albeit slightly cold. We are going to be talking today, of course, about global stuff about the earth and earth energy and dowsing and geobiology and all that kind of thing and that's all very very relevant to everybody because we're affected by it on all levels but i'd love to start a little discussion today about our recent experience angel rose with earthing do you want to spend a minute talking about that earthing okay i forgot oh a friend sent us this video to watch on earthing and uh, it was about the fact that we as a society are no longer grounded to the earth or connected to the earth. And what they're meaning by that is that we are not absorbing the energy from the earth the way we used to back in the days of old. For example, uh, we don't go barefoot. We, um, I, I think here, though, in California, people might be earthed more than most Ahano, because we do have the beaches and people do spend a lot of time walking along the sand or being by the sea and certainly that is very very grounding as is uh you know sitting down on the earth uh, directly or laying down with your spine along the earth but this is a a video that's out there it's a documentary on earthing and all of the health benefits and illnesses that have disappeared by people grounding themselves to the earth once again. And you'll have to give the uh, the modern way of doing that, Ahano, if you don't live near the ocean. Yeah, I wondered about how that 
people who live in high-rise apartments, for example, or indeed in the centres of cities where they say, you know, I can't touch the soil, I can't touch the earth. But these people came up with a really, really ingenious little idea. And of course, all the outlets, the electrical outlets in your home or your apartment would be grounded. So what they've developed is a tiny little device that plugs into the electrical outlet and thereby connects to the earth, of course. And that connects to various products that they've developed, like a, a silver-lined sheet. So when you lie asleep at night, you're actually connected to that grounding outlet and thereby onto the earth. And people have reported really, really magical transformations as a result of that. I mean, all kinds of diseases and disabilities and inflammations being reduced and so on. But another very, very practical thing that you can do that we did, and I have to say the results were amazing, was... The standard grounding rod that an electrician would put outside your home and bury it deep into the ground, simply connect a, an, an earth wire, any kind of a wire to that, and bring it in through your window, your door, or through your wall or whatever, and bring it into your bedroom or into your office when you're working on your computer, and just attach it to some kind of a wrist strap or some way that you can connect to it so that you're grounded. And I started doing that about a week ago, and really, really, I could tell straight away the difference. Now, it's very subtle. It's not like you can say, wow, it's like an electric shock or anything. There's no shock. You're simply just being grounded, like as if, you know, the sensation where if, if you've built up static energy in your body from walking around on rubber back carpets or wearing rubber shoes and that kind of thing, and then suddenly you discharge. Well, that's the feeling was of being discharged into the earth or connected into the earth and it was a very very subtle but very very nice feeling so that's been our experience over the last week or 10 days well let me tell them the story i have to tell our listeners so they can paint a picture in their minds ahano ahano is has had become a grounding addict there's no time either he's got the wristband on or he's laying on the sheet or if he's laying on the sheet he's got the wristband on at the same time but I have to tell you, the first few days were a little rough. You know, both of us woke up with severe aches and pains. And uh, I feel better today, though, I have to say, strangely. But you do have a, some weird sense of calm going on beneath the surface and a little greater sense of alertness in your head. But uh, anyway, I still have ways to go on before all my little complaints disappear. But I sure hope they do. And Gail Rose. You are perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, this is, let's this have is, let's have another announcement because we do know that our our guest is uh, calling from Spain, so uh, we do want to give him as much time as we possibly can. But I just want to announce that Hanu and I are creating a new website called Twin Flame Weddings and Consulting. For all you people out there who believe you are twin flames or you're about to marry your twin flame, uh, this service will be a Hanu and I marrying you. So as a couple, we would be marrying you um, together. So because a Hanu and I, as many people know, are twin flames. So that's one service that we're going to be offering and not just exclusively to twin flames, however. We'll really be available to marry anyone as we both are ordained ministers. But we're very excited about this, Ahano, because I don't, I don't know why we haven't done it before, uh, because we've been ministers for over a year now. I think maybe we were just busy with other things, 
But I know when you married my daughter, Janae, you were just in your glory. That happened early September. And uh, so we decided to do something about that. And certainly many readings that I do for people are centered around their twin flame relationships. So we are publicly announcing that we are available for not only uh, weddings, but also any sort of consulting or counseling that you may need with your twin flame. Well, maybe this is coming up as a result of the grounding or the earthing, Angel Rose, because certainly there's an element of clarity coming through in all of our work. And our work in the past number of years seemed to have been effective but somewhat scattered in the sense that we do all kinds of things. We we have the eight steps to freedom. We have the world of empowerment. We have angelrose.com. We've got the Spirit of Love project. We've got all these what seems were disparate projects. And what we're doing now is we're bringing them all together under the one umbrella of Twin Flame, Twin Flame Consulting. So Twin Flame Weddings really is one branch of that. And the address to find, it's not developed yet, but we're in the process of it, is TwinFlameWeddings.com. And you will find that also will link to our other offerings as we develop them slowly over the coming weeks and months. And we will have Twin Flame Consulting and Twin Flame Hosting and various other projects like that. But they will be under that banner of Twin Flame and it's all very relevant too to our discussion today actually when we talk about earthing are indeed twin flames because that's what's going on on the planet the earth seems to be going through this energetic shift and that's part of what we're going to be discussing today but let's go to our few little announcements first before we bring our special guest today Richard Benishai on we have of course the 8 steps to freedom that i mentioned at 8stepstofreedom.com and that's a wonderful program do get hold of that something we developed over the last number of years very very effective in this time period and then angel rose's book a time of change now that is just so relevant to what we're talking about and anybody who has read that book even though i say so myself but the testimonials speak for themselves is they're they're changed by it it really is a gripping read uh, factual information coming from the Akashic Records where Angel Rose is in that place of the Akasha speaking with God's source, answering questions, deep, deep questions about the earth and this time of change. So get hold of that and it's easy to find at timeofchange.info at timeofchange, all one word, dot I-N-F-O. And of course her new book, The Nature of Reality, is coming out shortly too. Again, very, very relevant to our topic of discussion today. And that can be got at the nature of reality dot i n f o again all one word the nature of reality dot i n f o now I'd like Angel Rose to spend just a quick little minute speaking about the online groups that we do every Sunday morning at ten a m Pacific time at worldofempowerment.com. dot com Yes, these are uh, Akashic Record group sessions in which we open the lines for people from all over the world to call in and bring their own unique questions to source through the Akashic Records about things they care about. And we redesigned it a little bit where we have one free session a month, and that will be tomorrow. Tomorrow is our free session at 10 a.m., Pacific time and goes for 90 minutes and it will be open forum where you can bring your own uh, questions, not personal, any other kind of cosmic universal questions you can bring. And then thereafter, there will be uh, topic specific groups on the two following Sundays, I believe. 
And you can find all that information on worldofempowerment.com. Uh, so we hope you'll join us tomorrow because those are always so profound and enlightening. But I just want to mention too quickly, I know we're going on, we need to bring Richard on, but my own beloved Ahanu is chugging away still at his own first book, The Reincarnation of Columbus. And this will be, uh, this is a true story, true life story of his journey through the loss of his first child at four months old from crib death all the way up to the present and his spiritual journey as a man and how he dealt with, you know, drastic changes and losses in his life and is still going through some of them. Um, but how he came out and what he's arrived at along the way. So you can order, pre-order that if you're interested at the reincarnation of Columbus.com or dot info, which is it, Hannah? It's the reincarnation of Columbus.com and dot it's com. all one Thank word you. again. Okay. The yeah. reincarnation of Columbus. Quite a long name and address, but that's the name of the book also. The reincarnation of Columbus.com. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that, so I'm glad you did bring it up, Angel Rose, because that also is very, very relevant to these times. And it is about us, of course, tr crossing that, the, 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 the stormy waters of life and crossing from the uh, the known and the comfort zones of our lives into the unknown, really, and bringing ourselves into the, our fuller selves in all kinds of different ways. So that's uh, a, a gripping read. Now, we also have, of course, Angel Rose doing her Akashic Records teaching. And this is by popular demand where people have asked, where can we learn to read the Akashic Records? And she is developing an exclusive once-off training that will take place pretty shortly. So if anybody wants to find out more about that Akashic Records Master Teacher Training, do get in touch with us at worldofempowerment.com or angelrose.com. And if anybody of our listeners would like to call in, and we have some people lined up today, the switchboards are lighting up for Richard, and uh, we will you do get in touch with us at angelrose.com. Let me spell it because it is the Irish name for angel. A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. That's angelrose. It's like Anne and Gail together, but it's spelled A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. And wait, let's see. Have we got any other announcements, Angel no, Rose? No, no. We need to bring Richard on now. Okay, so you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series. And our special guest today is Richard Benashai. Richard was born in 1943 in Algeria and now lives in Israel. He teaches in six countries in five languages and has lived in France and the United States and worked in countries all over the Middle East and the Far East in the Ivory Coast, Israel, France, Spain, Portugal, and of course the USA. And his experience as an engineer in electronics allowed him for greater professional autonomy, for accuracy, and that scientific rigorous approach needed in the analysis of complex problems. And that, of course, brought him along in his life journey to reveal his abilities in working with subtle energies and as a first step in the field of healing. 
in the knowledge of paranormal phenomena and bioenergy. And this is what he calls geobiology. It's a discipline intended to improve the lives of humans. And this was his opportunity to develop these skills and improve a number of techniques and procedures relating to what he now calls geobiology. So since 2000, Richard has devoted much of his time to study and research in this area. And he has also actually co-authored a number of publications related to geobiology and he'll tell us about those today so we're going to be exploring how this dousing and geobiology affects us all and has grown into a discipline in this world we live in today so good morning richard are you there yes i think i'm here <laughs> well that i suppose that could be a conversation too <laughs> welcome to the show today we're so happy you could join us Okay, glad to be here. All right. Could you start out by um, telling our listeners um, anything that we may have missed about your history that you think is important to know, and also how you developed the whole, um, well, what would you call it, the whole discipline of geobiology? Okay. The first thing that uh, you couldn't have known, because it just happened recently after I watched this uh, YouTube movie about grounding. I didn't tell you that, but I was so impressed by that movie that right away I took off my shoes and my socks and I started to walk around barefoot. And after that, I went over and I ordered a pad, a grounding pad for my feet. Right, I'll yes. I'll probably get there in about a week. Yeah. Fantastic, And yes. I'm considering also getting bed sheets, yeah. So this grounding really talked to me and... Uh, uh, it reminds me that my son, my second son, used to tell me all the time, you have to walk on the, on the sand, because I'm about 100 meters from the beach. Uh, so you have to walk, you have to put your feet in, in the ground. And I didn't pay much attention to him, but uh, I, I think he's right. I mean, that's... Yes. Uh, well, grounding has certainly turned out to be an impressive thing. Yeah. Yes. And you're, when you talk about the beach now, you, you're a, a world traveler, and such is the wonderful benefit of technology that you, you're, you're from Algeria, you're living in Israel, but you're speaking to us from Spain, and you'll shortly be doing workshops in the United States of America. So which beach are you, are you talking about? You're, you're talking about the coast of Spain right uh, now. I can see the beach. Yeah, I can see the beach from my home in Israel. In, Israel. Uh, in between right. buildings, I can see I can see the sea. It's about I would say about uh, one hundred, about three hundred feet from my from my house, from my window. And the unfortunate thing is that uh, it's difficult for me to climb up and down the steps going down to the beach. Uh, but I I can go to the grass and look at the sea and look at the sunset and things like this. It's it's good. Right. And it, this is one of the things that a lot of people have difficulty with in terms of embracing any kind of, let's call it alternative or complementary healing, is because they think, oh, it's complicated, it's, 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 you know, it's mind stuff. But we're talking here about the very, very practical, just taking off your shoes and walking on the ground, on the soil or on the beach. Isn't it really that simple, that yes. easy? Yes. And that, of course, in essence, is a lot of what you're entire business is about when you talk about geobiology. Tell us where that came from and how you got into it. All right. Uh, 
first of all, the definition of geobiology, geo for like geography, and uh, that means the earth. And bio, of course, everybody knows bio is life. And logi is uh, the study. So it's a study of the life of the planet. Um, this is something which has been uh, done for the study. It's been done for many, many years, hundreds of years, even even our forefathers and the prehistoric cavemen, they knew about the negative influence of underground water and in their own way they used to do things. Uh, and if you want to take uh, examples, uh, you won't find too many in, in the States, but in Europe you have a lot of dolmens and men here. And dolmen is like a table made of stone with two sides of stone and and the tabletop also made of stone. And that is an energy transformer, which uh, people knew about, like, oh, I would say five, 6,000 years ago. And uh, so it's uh, something to do with energy and the knowledge that some energies are negative and some are positive and how to uh, work with them and how to transmute them. Uh, geobiology is a field today which encompasses a lot of uh, areas, uh, especially now that we, uh, as men, have entered technology that you talked about before, and we pollute the space around us with all kinds of uh, radiation and so on, and uh, we're subject to all these areas of, uh, of transmissions and and so on, plus the the modern foods which are loaded with chemicals here and there. Uh, these are things that our forefathers did not know about. They didn't have all these things. They used to eat food, natural food from the ground, and, and they used to eat it fresh and not frozen. Uh, geobiology includes areas which are physical, which have to do with the planet. And there are some uh, networks, electromagnetic networks, which are uh, present because of the mainly because the, uh, the the nucleus of the planet contains iron and contains nickel. Is this and what they call ley metals, lines, Richard? Are these ley lines? Is that what? No, you're... no, no, no. Okay. No, these are these are Hartman lines and these are Curry lines. Curry creates uh, are created by uh, iron and Hartman by nickel. Ley lines are something else. We can talk okay. about it later. It's, they're, sure. they're good lines, they're positive lines. Yes. Uh, when, when God created the planet, so to speak, everything was positive. And so the, these networks were positive, that goes to say. And slowly man came on the planet and started to make it negative by uh, fights and killing and wars and, and so on, spilling blood into the earth. And this over thousands of years, so these lines have become negative. There's a lot of negativity. Uh -huh. So you will not find uh, any positive uh, Hartman or Curry lines nowadays. Uh, these lines are there, and they're going to be there for always, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, the only thing you can do is transform their energies to positive. Uh, this is done easily, by the way. Yeah, you can measure these and, lines, I'm sure, yes? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the tools that I use, 
antennas. I use telescopic antennas. And that's the easiest. Uh, it's the quickest and easiest. And when I say quickest and easiest, so everything else I say about tools or about the usage of, uh, of ancillary equipment, that's because I, I checked it, because I tested it with other things. And these telescopic antennas are are really the best for use, and they're simple, and they're practical, and you stick them in your pocket, in your shirt pocket, so, and so on. So tell us how and do... that's what I do. I use them. Yeah. Tell us how do these lines affect people in their day-to-day work or their day-to-day living in their own homes? In what way, positive or negative, do they impact people? Okay. Okay. Uh, before I tell you that, let me say that today, with what I know, what I've experienced, what I teach is that I put these lines at the very bottom of the list uh, because we have a means today of taking care of them, which takes about five seconds. It's very quick. So I don't care how many lines there are in the house. I don't care where they're located. By doing what I do, which is something I teach also, in about five seconds, we transmit the lines from negative to positive. But how do they affect people? people that don't know about. Uh, these lines are located every two by two and a half meters. Uh, well, translate that to feet, it's multiplied by three. Um, so they are negative and they, um, they create, when they come out from the earth, they create ionized air. These ionized particles are now going to work on the cells in the body and they're gonna start transforming the cells and they're going to prevent your body from creating or regenerating cells. And that's basically how you're going to get sick. And uh, they're also going to change your DNA in the long run. And when you have a bunch of cells which are modified in your body, well, that's that ugly word that people call cancer. And that will take a bunch of... uh, a long time. That's going to take a long time, anywhere between five to ten years for something like that to happen. But a person who sleeps in the same place over a number of years, uh, like over eight, nine years, and sleeps on a location which is negative, which we can measure. We can measure exactly. I can tell you exactly what is the level of, the, of your uh, bed. And by sleeping there, these lines are going to affect the area over which you're sleeping. In other words, uh, the area on your body uh, over which you're, you're sleeping over the lines. Yeah, you got the line. On, the lines are about 21 centimeters in width. If we're talking about Hartman lines, and the Curry lines are much bigger, anywhere from 40 to 50 centimeters. Uh, there isn't much place in your bedroom. Uh, where you can put your bed, look at your bed so that you don't have the influence of these lines. But uh, fortunately, by doing what uh, what I teach, what I do, uh, it doesn't matter really because, like I said before, we can take care in a few seconds of these lines and everything now turns to positive. Uh, Richard, do you have to repeat that? In other words, if you... If you transform uh, those energies in your bedroom, do you have to um, keep at it? In other words, do you have to do it every day, every week, or how how would that work? No, it's a one-time thing. One-time thing. Okay, great. 
It's a one-time fee. Yeah. Unless somebody comes along and and uh, neutralizes your work or or asks for the lines to get back to what they were or something, but then they have to know. They have to know that you've done work and what you've done and so on. So it's unlikely to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that we do this work today. Yes. Yeah. What would be some of the symptoms? Richard, of having uh, negative lines in your bedroom or in your home? Well, as I stated before, the lines are the bottom priority. So before I tell you about the symptoms, let me tell you what numero uno, public enemy number one. Okay, go ahead. It's water. Water. Hmm. Underground streams. They can range anywhere from when you dig your ground to to make a house, you can, after like three feet, you can find water running, or you can go as far as 300 meters, that's like 900 feet, and you can find currents of water running. Um, This is the problem, because water uh, reflects gamma rays. So uh, when you have gamma rays coming all the time from the cosmos, they're coming from the sun, from the moon, from other planets, from the universe. They're just bombarding the planets all the time. Now where you're sitting, you are probably getting gamma rays coming uh, right through the roof where you are. It doesn't matter how big the building is. And you're just coming right through. Nothing can stop them. There is nothing can stop gamma rays. Not like uh, lead with the, with the red gun, with the x-rays. X-rays can be stopped easily. Gamma rays, no, nada. Everything coming through. And so they're going through your body and they're continuing. So there's no problem. The problem is when they reach an underground stream, which is located in such a way that it's going to be over your bed, the place where you sleep or the place where you work, then the water is going to reflect not everything, but a substantial part of the energy of these gamma rays. They go, the gamma rays are going to be... Uh, touching the water, the water is going to absorb a great part of their energy and it's going to reflect the rays at the same angle of incidence. In other words, if the ray came down at 20 degrees, it's going to go back the other way at 20 degrees. And as it's going back up, it's now a weakened gamma ray going through the same distance it went through the soil and the rocks and everything. Now it's going to come and hit you. Then the body is going to stop it, and it's going to be absorbed. The radiation is going to be absorbed, and it's what you call it ionizing radiation, which is now going to transform the cells in your body. And it's going to do that uh, relentlessly over a period of time. And then you start to develop uh, a growth. And that's why I say that gamma rays are, are number one problem because... Uh, Almost under every house is water, almost everywhere. Even in the Sahara Desert, you got water, every place. And uh, the, the, when you talk about the, the this water, then it's you're not talking about pollution in general. You're talking about gamma rays coming from the sun and planets and various things that we effectively have no control over. Well, there's something to be said about pollution, like you talked about. It's uh, water that is polluted will make the gamma rays go right back up. If the water was pure, pure water, then the gamma rays will go through and right. not return. Right. 
Okay, so there is something to say about pollution and directly about this. And people ask me sometimes, well, what about if you live in Venice? You know, Venice is over water. Yeah, in this case, the gamma ray hits the water. And because there is no uh, nothing, I mean, it's hitting the water going right back up with a lot of strength. It doesn't go through 100 to 200 feet of, uh, of earth or stone. So it's going right back up and it goes through your body. So there's no problem. So people live in Bangkok on the rivers or, or live in Venice, they don't have problems like people who live, let's say, over uh, in Paris or some other place like this. Right. Um, all right. So let me, let me switch over to the second problem, uh, which I consider which is a, a significant problem that's false. Underground faults. Now, definition of underground faults is has to do with the a difference in the composition of the geology. In other words, on one hand, you have stone, and right next to your stone, you're going to have sand, or you may have stone which is split, like after let's say an earthquake or naturally it splits from uh, over the thousands of millions of years. Then you have this space. Or you may have two different types of materials, like stone and sand, or uh, sand and, and earth. Any place where you have this, then you have a, a, like a fault which is created. And besides having uh, radon gas coming through this fault, you're, you're going to have also uh, negative energies coming from the center of the earth seeping through. And this is going to influence you a lot. It's going to hurt a lot more than water does. Fortunately, there are not too many faults per house, like you have water. Underground streams, you can have like five, six underground streams under house. Sometimes one, but mostly you're going to have three, four, five faults. It's uh, kind of rare to find a fault under somebody's house, unless he lives in a place which is known to have faults. Like for example, uh, Alsace in France. Uh, that place is known because uh, millions of years back, the, uh, the ground there split and it created the Black Mountains and the Vosges. Uh, yeah. And, and so you have a natural uh, fault area, many, many faults all over the place there. Uh, these faults, they can be as wide as 15, 20 centimeters, and they can be as large as, I measured one in the Ivory Coast, 22 meters, which uh, times three is like 66 feet, you know. So, San Diego, Richard. In, uh, I have no idea. You have no idea, okay. I don't make, no, no, I know in Ivory Coast because I went there to measure a place where they had accidents all the time. Right. And the people that were running over that area where you had faults and then also a seven meter uh, stream, like 20 feet wide, at the same place and they would be temporarily knocked out there, out of their consciousness and then they, they would make an accident. Hmm. After I took care of that place, there's no more accidents. Right. So the faults, the faults are a problem. You wake up in the morning, if you've been sleeping on a fault, and your arm is going to hurt every day. 
it's going to hurt. Water, you won't feel it so much. It's working in a subtle manner, and it's uh, it's not going to hurt. But faults, you will feel the pain. Now, yeah. Richard, you mentioned about these lines being quite narrow in terms of their their measurable width, but are they like yes. like a, like a lattice or like a net? You know, are they very close together, uh, or are they very very wide apart? Absolutely. Yeah. They're very close together. Well, yeah, the Hartman line, yeah, the Hartman line are pretty regular. They come uh, two meters by two and a half, and they run north to south. They run south to north, and then west to east. They have a direction of flow. The energy flows a certain direction. Right. And they're going to be uh, they're going to be spaced uh, very equally. Uh, the Curry lines, they're a bunch of wild ones. They they go anywhere from as little as two meters all the way up to 12, 15 meters right. in, in spread. And is it your experience that these lines are more prevalent, let's say, in places where there has been bloodshed or battles or wars, or is that just coincidental? No, no, no. It's got nothing to do with it. The, the lines are there. doesn't matter what happened. They're there. And... Uh, the bloodshed and things like this, that's the negative energy going to the earth at that point. And when we measure the color vibration of that area, we're going to get red. Right. Red means either there was a fire there or there was a bloodshed like in a battle. Right. And it's not a place where you want to live. Yeah. I've seen houses. I've, I, I've done about, what, 650 houses till now. And uh, over the past 13 years. I've seen houses where I measure the uh, the color of the energy there, and I get black. Wow, that's interesting. And that is really that's that's awesome. That's terrible, you know, for yeah. somebody to live in a place like that. Now I know you're going to speak about this a little later, and we're we're always very very keen to put out people's websites and contact details so our listeners can get in touch with you. But let me ask you: is is this something? that people can do themselves or do you physically have to visit their home? In other words, I'm trying to think of somebody who may be living in Eastern Europe or in the United Kingdom or in Western Australia who will be listening to this show and want to know what can they do in their homes. Do you have to physically visit there or do the people themselves do something about these lines? No, I do not. I, I do... Uh of course, I, I do it at homes. It's, uh, if I happen to be like, let's say if I'm in Israel and the person insists that I come there, so I drive there and you know, I charge accordingly for driving and so on. But uh, I prefer to do the work by uh, remote dis by distance. Like uh, the only thing that people have to do, send me their address and the plans of the house. And if it's a multi-level house, then I got to get the the plans for each level. And uh, I charge according to the number of rooms. Once it's up to six rooms, like bedrooms or work rooms, or kitchen, salon, living room, then above that, then I charge per room. It's, uh, you can find that on my site. There's a, there's a scale there. There's a method to contact me and so on. Yeah. And, and what is that uh, address? I prefer to do it. Yeah. What is that? My site? Yes. Go ahead. Give it out. Well, yeah. It's uh, quite simple. You, you type out the word geobiology in English, geobiology in English, yes. Yeah. And then after geobiology, it's .co, 
dot il il is for israel okay geobiology uh, my site is in, il yeah it's in four languages four languages so uh, french english spanish and hebrew right now i have a question for you in terms of somebody who's living in sure. a, a, a multi-level building when you do the correction let's call it of these these negative lines wouldn't it surely benefit everybody who's over that that location? Uh, in other words, all the floors would benefit. Would they or no? Exactly. Okay. I'm surprised. It's good. Good question. Uh, it's exactly right. Uh, you have, of course, the lines. We take care of the lines from the ground all the way up. Uh, we take care of underground waters from the ground all the way up. We take care of chimneys, which I didn't talk about yet. Uh, the chimneys, uh, when we move them outside the building, then everybody enjoys from that. All the 10 floors, all the 15 floors, everybody in the building. So somebody in the building has asked me to come over, and he pays for my wages, and everybody enjoys it. I don't think that's fair. Everybody should chip in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. But there's also the the bigger benefit then for the planet as a whole. I mean, when you correct something in one home or one area, surely all the people are benefiting. Like you said about that place that had accidents, everybody was going to benefit from the, the fixing of that problem. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right. There was also, in the same city, in Abidjan, there was also an intersection that they called uh, the Carrefour de la Mort. It means the, the death crossing, the death crossing. Every day, at least one accident some of them, a lot of people died because they have these taxis driving around fast. And then in order to change the luck, so to speak, they change the name. And they call it the crossing of life. And you know what? It didn't help. People yes. They'll die every day. Now, isn't that interesting? Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I looked at it as a challenge. I went over there one day by myself, kind of like this, walked over. And I made a little plan of the crossing, and I found out that uh, using the pendulum, I found out there's a cross, an X, like an X of uh, faults, and there was like a cross, a plus of uh, of underground rivers, mm. and they were crossing exactly. Would you know it? They were crossing exactly at the center of the crossing, right? Of the intersection. That's a crossing. It's the intersection. Uh, I took care of that, and uh, after that, there are no more accidents. Because what happens is that people used to drive up to that, and the energy was so negative, so strong, that they would lose consciousness for a fraction of a second. and Or their judgment would be so impaired that if they had the red light, they would just keep going. What What are the effects of uh, when there's an earthquake in an area, for example? Because... I do know, being here in San Diego, there was an earthquake uh, maybe, I don't know, five or 600 miles away that affected even Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm wondering, because I've noticed for myself since then that uh, I have a backache ever since then. So is there an effect when there's an earthquake in an area? Well, remember I talked about faults a few minutes ago? Do you yeah. remember? Yes, I do. Yes. Okay. Okay. So probably this earthquake caused a lot of splits in the ground, in the rock, 
it caused the rock to separate and created some new faults. And maybe where you are, there is a fault which has been uh, opened up there, and that's what you're feeling. Right, because I, I intuitively had felt there was some connection, but I just didn't understand, you know, the mechanics of it. So, th- so thank you for that. And let me ask you uh, about that okay. also, Richard. When, when you do that kind of work, now I can understand when somebody specifically requests you to come and fix the problems in their home, for example. But let's say in the, in, in the area where there were accidents on a main crossroads and you come and you apply your technique, I'm trying to get at the question of free will. Do, do you feel that everybody should benefit from the fixing of this or are, are you interfering in some way with a destiny that others may have mapped out for themselves? Oh, you mean like somebody was supposed to die there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suppose, yeah, if, if, I, if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't corrected the problem, then the next day somebody would have died who was supposed to die. There was this destiny. Yes, all. yeah, I'm wondering about that. Yeah. Well, maybe that's applicable. Maybe you can apply that for one person, two persons. But you can't apply that for an entire population of the city. You know, it doesn't yeah. seem like just that every day there right. be accidents there. And, and usually when you have an accident, it's two cars. So in each car minimum, you have the driver. That's two persons. Mm-hmm. And usually they have people sitting in a, in a bus or in a taxi or what have you. Yes, so, yes, yes. no, I would say it's what? nothing to do with free will. It has to do with the, the work I do. I do. I work also on the level of countries and I work on the level of the planet. Right. And I don't go and ask, you know, people, can I do this? Can I do that? No, I do it because when I work, I do good. And when you do good, then it's the right thing to do. When yes. You do good. Well, There's I, so many people doing bad on this planet. That yes. I think it's okay. That's right. And actually, the more I think about my question to you about the free will, the more I'm realizing that if somebody really did have a death wish or a, a karmic outcome let's say it's going to happen one place or one way or another whether you fix something here or there or not oh yeah well the the other issue about free will is that if you have an area that's really negative like he was mentioning at that intersection where people actually go a little bit unconscious momentarily you know there's no free will there then you know if something's influencing a person uh, in a negative way, their ability to choose and to have coherent free will is impaired. So I think anything you can do to repair a place where somebody is in has their full uh, capabilities intact is a good thing. Yeah, let's yeah, let's take this opportunity, Richard, to take a very very quick little studio break, and we'll be right back after this. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Ahanu. 
Hi, you're very, very welcome back. My name is Ahanu, and you're listening to the Honest to God series with Angel Rose and Ahanu. And our special guest today is Richard Benishai, who's a geobiologist, and his website is geobiology.co.il, geobiology.co.il. And we're speaking about ley lines, and we're speaking about um, pollution and radiation and the tools and techniques that he uses to remove negativity in homes and workplaces. And we spoke about gamma rays and fault lines and that kind of thing. Let's talk a little bit about radiation because it affects everybody, whether they like it or not, Richard. And we had the that disaster in Fukushima in Japan that is affecting vast areas of the United States now, and of course the entire Pacific Ocean and maybe further afield as well on both sides of Japan. But is there something that people can do, practically speaking, uh, in terms of recovering from that or fixing it or negating it in some way? Well, when the radiation uh, hits you from a nuclear accident, uh, there isn't much you can do, except if you're wearing some special suits and so on, which the people do uh, in order to work there. What I can tell you that uh, when I when I read about a year ago about the accident there and that I knew about it, so okay. But then I read about that the radiation was uh, approaching California, uh, and because I have a son there, I said, "Well, I better do something about it." Anyway, it's uh, son or no, I would have done something, and so I did something about it, and uh, I worked on the on the site. Uh, this is not known by uh, the authorities there, anybody. Uh, around each one of the uh, nuclear reactors, I put around there a chimney, a cosmotelluric chimney, which mm-hmm. I didn't talk about yet, which mm-hmm. I'd like to talk. Sure. And, and then, and then uh, I asked for the chimneys to uh, take all the uh, negative radiation and set it up to a certain place in, in space, which which I know about, which uh, I worked on, and and that was it. So then the next day I wrote to my students in France, and I didn't tell them anything about the work I've done, and I asked them to measure the energy level for each one of the reactors and for the site the day before I did the work and the day after, and 10 of my students answered me. Every one of them uh, showed a positive uh, improvement, Although the numbers and the values were not the same for each one, they all went from negative to positive. Oh, that's great. So I knew, yeah, that system was working. And after that, I worked on another uh, eight stations in Japan, which were okay. I mean, it wasn't like Fukushima, but uh, then I I made an entire network of uh, of these radioactive sites, these nuclear stations, and... uh, then Japan was connected to some line which goes around the planet, which I work on all the time, and the level for Japan went up. Uh, currently, I read about things like there's some accident or something. Then, you know, I, I can't have those things. I mean, I took, I took the situation as it was that uh, there was reactor one, two, and three. They, they had they, they completely smashed by the tsunami and and radiation was leaking into the water and so on. So I kind of worked on that. 
But after that, uh, like recently, there was another accident. Something happened. Some guy pushed the wrong button. You know, there's just so much you can do. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure the work I've done, and I, I check it sometimes, they, they have a monitoring uh, station, or to be more precise, they have eight monitoring stations around Fukushima, and they monitor the radioactivity. And the day after I did the work, and a few days after that, the radioactivity went down, the readings went down. Mm-hmm. I don't think they realized why, and they don't know why, but... Uh, but- Right now, today, it's, uh, it's much lower than before. Right. But what about things that have already been affected? Like, for example, they talk about the, the Alaskan fish, for example, or, you know, the farmland in the Midwest is all contaminated. What about something like that that's already, where, the, where the damage is already done? Uh, maybe there is something. I don't know. I have to think about it. But uh, I've been doing some things lately with the uh, chimneys and and assigning special functions to these chimneys and uh, and it, these things work. Uh, so I I haven't read anything about the the west uh, the Midwest being affected and so on. Uh, usually, when you have radiation in place and you have it, there may be a way to take care of it. I don't know. It's just yeah. by unconventional means. Okay. Uh, by working on this energetically. But All right. I, I would have to look into it. But talk to us about these telluric chimneys. Okay. I'm glad you asked. Start again. Underground water, faults. Next one is chimneys. Last one, lines. So chimneys, they are millions over the planet. Some are positive, and that's good for us. Some are negative, and that's bad for us. You will find positive chimneys in places like churches and ancient synagogues and places of uh, uh, in nature, holy sites and things like this. They are positive, they're very big, they're strong, and they exist mostly in nature. Or if they were implanted by builders of cathedrals or churches. Now... That's on one side, and since it's good for us, then let's not spend too much time on it. The bad ones, for us, keep in mind that nature doesn't have negativity. Uh, Everything in nature is positive. But some of these chimneys, uh, their frequency is not good for us, I imagine. And, And so we call them negative chimneys. And these chimneys are found in homes. Wine homes because they run around free all over the planet until they detect a place which has a low level of energy and where they have people living there, they can feel also our presence. Uh, these chimneys are invisible to the eye. They exist on a different plane. They are actual. This is not fiction. I don't deal with fiction. Everything I tell you on this show, it's true. It's my truth, but it's also the truth of hundreds of other people which I have taught. I teach classes all over the world in those countries you mentioned. And these people also go out there and and they feel the chimneys and they move them and so on. So it's not fiction. It's actual. Just because we don't see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. These chimneys are negative. They usually come in a place where you are going to spend a long time, like your bed or it can be in your living room Mm -hmm. or your work room. Uh, 
or it can be in your office if you have a lot of people there can be there um, in hospitals I've done work on one hospital in Spain I won't say where but I've done work on it and this work I found that uh, in the in the kitchen of all places there was chimneys because you have a lot of cooks there, people around, mm-hmm. and they kind of like that. But uh, you'll have chimneys just about everywhere where you have people. If you don't have people, you won't find chimneys. How it's they, clear. What do they I look like, Richard? House. Yes. What do they look like? Well, it's like it's like why do they call it a chimney? It's because it's like a long tube. And they have two openings at the top, uh, Corolla, which is like a parabolic uh, uh, dish. You have one inside the other. One is small. The other one is bigger. The small one is used for transmission. The big one is used for reception. It's almost like electronics. It works in the same way in electronics. Uh, they're very tall. The positive ones, uh, which I work in nature with them in set certain sites, then they can be as far as 250 meters, which is like 750 feet. It can be pretty tall. And they also go in the ground, but usually not as much as they go up. In other words, if you have a chimney that's 200 feet in the air, it's going to be in the ground maybe 125, 150 feet. They have a diameter ranging anywhere from a meter 60 for small ones that were just born, to uh, can be as big as uh, 30 meters, 35 meters for positive ones. Uh, negative ones usually the smaller. Uh, they look like it's a it's a tube in the center, like a, where the energy is going to go down to a a root. You have a root and you have a nucleus also. And what this this thing is built in such a way that it's going to take negative energy from the planet because it's on the ground. It's going to suck up this negative energy. It's going to set it up the center and it's going to shoot it out through the top, uh, the small dish at the top. And it's going to go out in space to a certain place, which I know about. Uh, Then, on the other hand, the positive energy from also a certain place is going to be sent or accepted by the larger dish, it's going to go down the center of the chimney to the uh, bulb, like the heart, and it's going to be dissipated or distributed or transmitted through the antenna back in the earth. So it's an energy exchange, taking the bad and sending it out and bringing the good and putting it in the ground. Mm-hmm. This is the way for the earth to, to kind of clean itself, you see? Right, yes. If we didn't have so so much... Uh, energetic uh, pollution uh, which is being absorbed by the earth then you will need for you will need so many right. uh, chimneys yeah. right. are, so many of them. are these, these things, chimneys yeah. are these chimneys uh, something that the ancient people were aware of were, were they working with them in a positive way and were churches for example were the religious institutions aware of them in terms of choosing the location for their buildings, their cathedrals and churches? Okay. Yes, for the last part about churches, no for the previous 
part. Uh, I don't believe that uh, the ancient people knew about them. They knew about underground water, and they prevented the houses being located on those. They could feel the water, even nice. by their hands or with a stick. Uh, but uh, they did, about chimneys, I don't think they knew about it. No. Right. Yeah. No. And about churches, yes. In churches, and we're talking about churches that were built before 1350. They were built by the Templars. And why take only churches? Synagogues. Mm-hmm. The ancient synagogues. Yes. Like the one you have in uh, Capernaum in, uh, in Israel. This is a synagogue that uh, Emmanuel used to attend. Emmanuel, it's, uh, we call him Jesus today. Right. Um, he used to attend this, this synagogue. So we're talking about a long time. It was built well before he was born. So we now have the same configuration in a synagogue, in these ancient synagogues, that you will find in churches or in cathedrals. My guess is that the Templars came uh, to Israel for the Holy Wars, and they went back and they used that system for creating cathedrals. Right. Well, we, uh, I, I do know from my own experience and just shooting across to Ireland for an example, because you mentioned about ancient uh, sacred sites and dolmens and so on. And I mean, they're ten a penny on the landscape in Ireland. And one particular place yeah. is the Hill of Tara that a lot of people will have heard of. And from the Hill of Tara, you can turn around in a full 360 degree circle and find 11 churches. And in fact, I think there was 12 to complete the face of the clock. But on each of those points, there, on a hill, there are, there's a church built. And the, the common acceptance of that fact is that uh, these were built to intercept the flow of energy lines from the center at Tara. Now, uh, there hasn't been anybody to be able to measure that scientifically, but that's the feeling of a lot of people in the, in the metaphysical world. Okay. Uh, I found that churches, small ones even, are usually connected, interconnected. Yes. yes. They were interconnected by will, by the people who build them. So one church on one hillside is going to be connected to another church on the hillside energetically. Yes. There's an actual connection there. Okay. Uh, the other thing is that... Uh, gee, I forgot. I was going to tell you a second thing. We were talking about it, the yeah. intercepting the energy in some way. Well, that could be. That could be. If there is something negative there, uh, by having those lines going through that something, it, it may uh, nullify, it may neutralize this negative energy. Yes. Can be, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I want to I just drop way back in time, simply because you, you mentioned about Israel and Emmanuel and so on, and I know this is not particularly relevant to our conversation, but just to give a tiny little bit of background about yourself, your name, Ben Ashai, can you give us an idea of where that came from in terms of the sound of the name and its meaning? Okay. Ben means son. Okay? Ben means son. That's in, uh, uh, I think also in Arabic means son. But in Hebrew it's son. And Ishai, Ben Ishai, Ishai is the name Ishai. Uh, what happened when I came to Israel back in 75, uh, my uh, wife then 
so the uh, the name I had before, which in French was uh, Benichou, and she said, "Well, it's Ben Ishu," and she said, "Well, it's a son of Jesus," and she didn't like that idea. Well, at the time I was just I just got in the country and I was disoriented and you know, feds I guess she knew and so I said, Okay, we'll change the name. So she changed it for the better without knowing. Because uh Ben Ishai uh, it's it's really uh I'm a descendant of the prophet Isai. Ishai. So without knowing it, uh we changed the name for who I really am. And uh, Ishai was, it's like David ben Ishai. David, the King David, was the son of Ishai. And, okay, I'm named, uh, my name today, or I'm the son, the direct descendant of the prophet Ishai. Ishai. And, and so, it all goes together. Um, that's a story on the name. Okay, thank you for that, Richard. And uh, we do have a caller, but before we go to the caller, um, you mentioned in some of the info you sent over to us that when you clear a home or an area, that all sorts of weird things occur, and you encounter trapped souls, black magic, curses, evil thoughts or objects, such as daggers, and African mass. Can you talk about those a little bit? Okay, let's start with the easy thing that people can relate to. Uh, African masks, usually, when you take a look at a mask, and if it kind of scares you, the chances are that this is going to be a negative mask. By negative, I mean it's, it's a, uh, in polarity, if you talk about positive energy, negative energy, it's negative. I've seen a, a room after I had done the whole house, and one room in particular, was still like minus 5,000 units less than the rest of the house. And as I looked around, I saw there was on a chair, there was a mask. The minute we took the, the mask out of the room, then the level went up. And the same can go with daggers, daggers and knives and, and spears, all those things which are used for killing, they have points. And because of the form of the object, uh, then the point was negative. By the way, take a look at the Chinese. Did you ever see Chinese eat with a fork? No. They don't eat with a fork, they eat with a spoon because the spoon is round. Well, it's feminine and that's also positive. They don't stick anything in their mouth that's negative like a fork. If you check a fork, check it with the pendulum, you're gonna see the end whether you have the, the teeth that's negative. And every time we eat, we put in a fork in our mouth, negativity. Hmm. Uh, today, that can be changed easily, you know. I'll, I'll give your, your uh, listeners a little tip. All you have to do is put your hand over it and say, I'm asking for the help of God to transform the subject from negative to positive. It's done. It's that simple. Okay? Hmm. And... And once I went in a gallery in the Ivory Coast in Abidjan, a gallery of objets d'art, objects of art. I went in the place, I measured this, it was like minus 30,000, which is awful. 
The person working there, the owner, she said every night she goes home, she's beat, she's dead tired, she has no power. Well, if I worked there also all day, I would have no power. So there was like over 1,000 objects in that place on two floors, over 1,000. What was I going to do? Go to each object? No. So mentally, I just transformed everything at one time, all the objects, to positive. And I went from minus 30,000 to plus 9,000. That's a big jump. So all you have to do is just, just say it and it happens. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize it, but our mental capabilities, our mental capacities are huge. We can do almost anything. Today, uh, that's the name of my next book, by the way. It's no project is too, is too great. Okay? Great. Just about any project I go on, I can do it because I, I just want to do it, and I use my mental to do it. Okay. And let's, that's the way it works. Let's remind our listeners we're speaking with Richard Beneshai, who has a website at geobiology.co.il, and he is a geobiologist, and we've been speaking about all the aspects of the the planet and dolmens and radiation and gamma rays and fault lines and telluric chimneys and all this wonderful, wonderful information that he's giving us. Richard, would you be open to taking a caller uh, who may have a question for you? Yeah. Okay, just stand by. Sure, sure. Hi, caller, area code 720. Go ahead. Hi, um, this is Ibitar. I'm calling from Colorado. Hello to all of you. Hi. Hello. I just wanted to say I think this is some really wonderful work that you're doing for humanity and the planet. Yes, thank you. And I have a question about what you said about the... uh, changing, you know, making your intent with your mind, because I do a lot of transmuting of energy with my thoughts as well. So you say that if you pick it up, because where I live, if I walk through, like there's uh, um, these detectors, smoke detectors uh, in the house, but they're giving off, they're giving off some type of energy, and I can feel it. It's like you walk through a maze, and you can feel, and every time I walk near it, it, it it's like something hits my body in this place. Yeah. And I've been, noticing, I've been noticing this not just here, but in different houses where these smoke detectors and these carbon monoxide detectors, they like, it feels like they're, they're scanners or something, and it emits this real heavy energy. So mm-hmm. when you said you can you can just say it and you transform it, you can do it for anything? Well, let me tell you first about smoke detectors or CO2 detectors or, or whatever they are. The word detector implies it's going to feel something. And you have only a receiver, a receptive uh, element in there. Uh, these units do not transmit anything, no radiation. It's going to, mm-hmm. the smoke, is, it's going to go through probably some kind of a, a glass detector, which is going to see the smoke, and then it's going to weaken the light that goes through, and, and, and so it's going to sound off the alarm. But there's nothing in there that causes radiation. I used to be an electronic engineer for 35 years before I got into geobiology. So... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so you don't have to worry about that. It's uh, just because you see a light that flickers once in a while, it doesn't mean it's transmitting anything. No. Also, they have to be cheap, so so people will buy them. They don't put anything in there that's going to transmit. So you can rest assured that... Yeah. Okay. I thank you, caller, for that call. Uh, Richard, can we go back to the discussion about black magic and curses? Can you tell me how that yeah, manifests? Yeah, I know. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. You have several things which are not physical, which have to do with us living in homes. And you can see that just about anywhere, in new houses, old houses. If we take first black magic, not black magic, black energy. Black energy is as opposed to light energy, you know, light. Um, then it's com- it can be anything between curses, strong curses, big curses. Uh, it can be black voodoo. There is also white voodoo, which is good, but this is black voodoo. It can be black magic, which people practice even today. It's kind of a cookbook type of thing where you look in the internet and you can find anything you want. And you have also evil eye. So these four uh, parameters compose what you call black energy. And it's going to work. That stuff works. You better believe it. It works. The thing is, you must never fear. The minute you fear something, it's going to affect you. So just go along with your life. It works, it exists, but you know, just keep it aside. It doesn't bother you. Um, I've seen this uh, all the time. When I look in some houses, I'll see black energy there. It can be evil eye that yeah, you can have a neighbor that's very jealous of what you have. You can have a relative that wants you to get sick or die so that you can take the the property that your parents are supposed to leave you. Uh, you can have black magic like you have in Africa. It's very famous for that. Black magic there, is, it works. It's done all the time. All the time today, it's done. Um, I run across, when I've been in, in the Ivory Coast, I run across some awful cases, awful cases. Uh, they make human sacrifices there. And over, yes, it's terrible, but it's done. That's the other world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have the curses. Uh, curses can be the ones that you really put your mind to it and you really make it strong. It's not like when you're driving and somebody cuts in front of you and you, you, know, you, you throw them a little curse. No, these are really strong intended curses. The energy that is going from your mind when you're doing one of these things, evil eye or black magic or what have you, this energy is going to go to where you intended to go and it can affect the person if the person can be affected. In other words, if he's not protected, if he's not, uh, if he's not a pure person, if he has some, some fears about then it's going to be affected. And yes, when you stick needles into the little doll, it's not movie stuff. This is the real thing. When you stick the pin inside, when you're doing that, you're imagining the person at the other end 
or you have his picture, and then you're imagining that you're putting that needle in to inflict pain, that transmission is going to go there and affect the person. On the other hand, when you're sending love to somebody, it's also going to work. Right. You when mentioned you're about good protection. To somebody, yeah. Uh, tell us about yes, how to protection. protect yourself from that. Is it just a case of surrounding yourself with white light? Well, that's one way. Yeah. Yeah. I actually today teach uh, a special course on protection. Uh, it's not a plug. I think it's a necessity for as many people as possible to do that, to, to take this course, especially people who are therapists, because the negative energy goes from the patient to the therapist, and the therapist transfers it to another patient. It's, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. This thing mm -hmm. is becoming real. It's like a virus spreading from one to the other. Right. So I teach a course. It's about four or five hours. I'm going to teach this course in California. I'm going to teach this course in North Carolina uh, for the States. I teach it all the time. And it's good for people who deal with other people. It doesn't matter if now, it's, uh, it's a doctor, dentist, or lawyer, or, or therapist. Right. It's a good opportunity to mention the dates and times of those workshops, Richard. Do you want to go ahead and do that? Yeah, yeah. Let me take my book here because I got everything written down. <coughs> Yeah, in uh, in California, we're going to do it in San Jose. San Jose. And, you know, being in Spain, you say Jose. Uh, let's see. Yeah. We got uh, six. It's going to be on the 10th of November in San Jose. The protection course is from like 1 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Uh, you have a person to contact. That's the best to contact her because she, you can call her up at 925-462-5500. Uh, her name is Kathy. And uh, I give all the information. I lend you the tools for the workshop and so on. This is a protection against entities and against negative energy. And it's only also good, not only for you, but it's also good for your patients. Because like I said, it goes from one to the other. I've seen this all the time. It's, that's why I decided to do this course, because it got a, it's getting out of hand. It's really getting out of hand. Mm -hmm. uh, all the people that you see on on the news, like the one that the one young guy, 20 year old, that uh, killed 20 young children and six people. You remember that? Yes, indeed. Okay, then he was loaded with uh, negative energy and with entities. He was loaded, mm -hmm. and I can give you a whole bunch of these names, but I won't do it. With something point. Uh, the other course we're going to have there in California, also in San Jose. It's a three-day course where I teach geobiology. The, you've got the basic course, and you've got also the mental course. So that's going to be, that's being taken care of by another gentleman. Um, his name is Craig. And let's see if I, hmm. I don't know if I have his phone number here. Yeah, I got his phone number, sure. Just a minute. Let's get my things in. Okay, Craig is at Craig Sakimoto. I like that name, 
sounds good. His phone number is 408-679-3623. I say again, 408-679-3623. And Craig is working together with Kathy. Like, Kathy's taking care of some of the work, and he's taking care of the other. So yeah. you can give him a call to ask about the three-day course, also in San Jose. Uh, for North Carolina, where our friend Brian, uh, he's taking care of everything. He's been wonderful about taking care of all the arrangements and setting up courses and so on. Uh, there, we've got a protection course on the 18th. And let's see if I have that here. It's the same same course I teach in California, but it's going to be in a... Well, I'll give you his phone number, and he'll give the place and so on, because that's, if not... All right. It, Craig's phone number is... Uh, sorry, Brian. Brian Creasy. Creasy. Brian Creasy. His phone number is 828... Eight nine four three one zero one. It's going to be in Milk Milk Spring, North Carolina, around that area. Okay. okay. So R- there Richard, I'm going to teach also the three day course. Yeah. Yeah. What were the dates for the three day course in San Jose? In San Jose, right? Gotcha. Uh, San Jose is the 11th, 12th, and 13th of this month coming up. And in uh, California, it's going to be uh, 19, 20, and 21. Not California, North Carolina. I got mixed up. Yeah. San Jose is 11, 12, and 13. And North Carolina, it's uh, 19, 20, 21. And on the uh, 18th in North Carolina, there's a course on protection also. Brian will... Uh, tell, give you all the details on that. We know Brian, and they're okay, friends. So. They're friends of ours, and that is a beautiful place you're going to be at. So uh, anybody who lives in that area, uh, it would be quite an experience. Okay. We're yeah, coming. We people coming from far. We're coming yeah. to the end of our program here today, Richard. And as is always the case, we like to promote people and their work and Richard Beneshai can be contacted at geobiology.co.il and he's just given out those dates of various courses he's doing in San Jose in California and Kathy can be contacted at 925-462-8576 for a course in November on the 11th, 12th and 13th and the basic and mental course Craig Sakimoto 408-679-3623 and the course in North Carolina has been organized by Brian on the 18th, 19th, 20th and 21st of November 828-894-3101 We have to bring it to a close here Richard, we have had some absolutely wonderful information and I really feel we've only touched the surface of it and uh, I mean all of the amazing things that we've talked about here you are talking of course about the study of life on the planet when you talk about geobiology and that is a deep and extensive subject 
and it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us today and we'd love to meet up with you when you get to Thank California you. and indeed we would love to have you on the cor- on the, the show and at a future time and talk about these protections and so on as you say it's absolutely vital and very very necessary for people to get hold of this information is there anything if I may say one more thing yeah go people ahead I was just going to say <laughs> you, the, people can get the dates and the places and the names all the information I gave you, if they go on my site, you go to the English site, which is the one that opens up, and you have a button down which says Events and Activities for 2013. You click on that, you get all the information in one page. Fantastic. Thank you so much. All right, you've been an absolute yes. pleasure and a wealth of information, and we thank you so much for coming on, especially it was such, such short notice, but we wanted everyone to be able to know about you and your work so that they could possibly attend uh, your events. And did, you did mention that you had written some books, Richard. Can you mention those? Yes. Yes. Uh, the book that's coming out in the States now that you can order uh, through uh, Amazon, that book is called... Uh, I have the page here. That book is called Mission Earth. And it's called Peace to Geobiology. Okay. Thank you so much uh, for coming on today. And we look forward to actually meeting you and having you on again. Thank you, You Richard. And it's been a pleasure being being here. And I enjoyed uh, every minute. Uh, Great, great. Thank you very much for asking me. That was Richard Beneshai, who is currently in Spain, and he is from Algeria, living in Israel, and with the benefit of the technology, was speaking to us across the airwaves, speaking about geobiology and technology and radiation and the tools and techniques to remove this kind of negativity that is in people's homes and workplaces and we spoke about gamma rays and fault lines and telluric chimneys and about how everything in nature is positive but because of wars and bloodshed and greed and all the rest of that we may have changed its energy and then towards the latter part of the program we spoke about the black energy and the negativity and curses and spells and oaths and all that kind of thing so to get the protection he's talking about Go to his website, geobiology.co.il, and you'll find all the information there about the various workshops that he has coming up and how to get in touch with him. So, we've been sponsored this week by World of Empowerment. We are changing, as we mentioned at the outset of the program, towards a twin flame twin flame banner, and we will indeed be speaking about that next week. We will talk about twin flames and soulmates and the necessity to bring, to facilitate the bring together of twin flames around the planet. Now, if you'd like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, contact us at angelrose.com, A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. And the announcements we made at the outset of the program also, Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, at timeofchange.info, the nature of reality info and my own book called the, the reincarnation of columbus at the reincarnation of columbus.com 
More information at worldofempowerment.com and all of the transcripts from our World of Empowerment Akashic Record sessions are online on Amazon Kindle and you can search on the Amazon platform for Angel Rose or myself, Ahanu, A-H-O-N-U and you will get all the various transcripts of the various work that we've done with the Akashic Records. So that brings us to the end of the programme. We thank you for being with us today and until next Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, we send you our love, our blessings and thank you for listening to myself, Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. Thank you, everybody, and don't forget tomorrow's Akashic Records session at 10 a.m. worldofempowerment.com if you'd like to register for that. It's free. And as we say in Ireland, when we sign off, we say Slán agus Bánacht de Liv Galair. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. 90 seconds. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.